First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, Reed Wilkins, Reed Wilkins on Oilers on Radio. Oilers. 6.30, Chad. Dave, he'll gain the line off balance. Letestu to Drysaddle. Feeds Lugin back to Drysaddle. One-timer score. Drysaddle's got a hat-trick. Hey, oil country, who ordered the crushed duck? I got a big helping right here. Leon Dreisaitl leading the way. What a game. What a game for Dreisaitl. He gets a hat trick. He gets five points. The Oilers score five times in the first period, and they put the Anaheim Ducks away 7-1. Game seven in this series will be Wednesday in Anaheim. We don't have a start time to that one yet. It's 8:18. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio 6:30. Chad Reed Wilkins live in Rogers Place in Ice District in downtown Edmonton, and obviously so many questions. How would the Oilers come out in this game? How would would they respond to such a disappointing loss Friday night? Well, the answer, quite well, thank you. They scored three times in the first eight minutes and 25 seconds. They added a couple of more goals later on in the first, two more in the second period. The Ducks got one sandwich in between the two second period goals, and that was it. 7-1, the final damage. Cam Talbot, solid in net. He makes 34 saves. John Gibson, on the other hand, was pulled after allowing three goals on six shots. Jonathan Bernier came in, and the first goal he allowed was a shaky one. He thought he caught the puck. Then he realized he didn't have it. Then he started looking for it. It was lying right in front of him. Mark Letestu kept it alive and eventually scored one of his two goals in the game. And Letestu was... The second star with four points. Dreisaitl, the runaway choice for first star. Talbot, the third star. Our fourth star of the game is for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. And a lot of Oilers played really well tonight. A lot of good possibilities. And I'm going to give it to Anton Slepeshev, who picked up a goal tonight. He was plus three, played 15 and a half minutes, and played a very energetic game, as did the entire team. Tonight, you don't score seven and win by six unless everybody is going. And, hey, when there's a blowout like this, obviously the team on the other end of it had a poor night. So he gets one team playing well, the other team a bit off their game, and that's how you get this result. But the Oilers are going to game seven. What a series it's been. The Oilers took the first two games on the road. The Ducks took the next two games on the road. Then they won at home, and now the Oilers win a home game. So they'll have to try and now do something to the Ducks that has happened to Anaheim quite a bit. Anaheim cursed, at least recently, 
Game 7's on home ice, so the Oilers will try to add to their misery. We'll get into that storyline as we move along. By the way, Rob Brown, unfortunately, sick tonight. He had to miss the last couple of games because a uh, prior commitment, but he could he did come to the game tonight, and trust me, he cannot talk. So it's uh, it's you and me tonight. Drew Remenda is going to pop in in a few minutes to give us his take on this game as the Oilers win 7-1 over Anaheim. All right, you can reach me by texting 630-630. You can also phone 780-496-0063. And we have Cam first in the batting order tonight. Hey, Cam, good to hear from you. Reed, how are you doing? Doing well. On. Too bad for Brownie. Wish him all the best. Hope he gets better for the next one. Yeah, I think he'll be better. He just he, he was here like he's mobile. He just can hardly talk. He wouldn't have been able to get through anything. Yeah, true. So that's good. Well, it's good to know that he'll be getting better anyways. And, um, I think it's just this just a classic case of a team. I was talking about that last time we talked. Of a team that just takes lessons and just learns. And like the aptitude that this team has. To, to make instant application on on, uh, on those lessons and to change the way they play and do things the right way. Like, this is a team that was pretty undisciplined even a couple weeks ago, and the things they sucked up tonight and then knew exactly when and where to engage physically just walked the perfect line. So that was one story. The other story I wanted to say was, um, you know, the theme on, on TV was that because um, I'm on the island, right? So yep. I didn't just be at the game. The theme on TV was continually about McDavid, and you know, I'm sure he wants to score and stuff. Yeah, I don't think they know him very well if they think this is about him putting up numbers. Because I don't think he cares. I really don't. Like he's just such a great leader. And then the other um, thing I wanted to say was kudos to um, to Griffin Reinhardt for stepping in and doing what he did. And for Benning making the jump up into chewing up more minutes. And, and uh, you know, the depth. You know, Shirelli has just done... It goes beyond the, the players he has here. It, it, it's such a mix of unbelievable chemistry and stuff. You can just see it. So, I don't know, I'm just thrilled. And, I, like, I've been saying it all through this whole series, even when we were up 2 we were up to nothing. Let's get back home for game six. Try to get it closed out before then. So... I'm not panicking. I called this one the other night, and I'm going to say that I think we're going to go into Anaheim and we're going to beat them. I really do. So right on, I'm, Cam. I'm super pumped. Right on. Appreciate it. That's Cam at 780-496-0063. He made a lot of good points before I get back to the phone lines, and we are going to have Todd McCollum's postgame comments right away. I can tell you that he has said that he expects Oscar Clefbaum to be available for Game 7. So, but storyline number one in our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors, life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better with help from your chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. So, Andre Secker got hurt in Game 5. I think you could all tell it didn't look good. Confirmed this morning he's out for the rest of the series. Who knows uh, how long uh, he'll he'll be out if the Oilers do advance past this round. Oscar Clefbaum didn't take the morning skate. But Todd McCollin says, you know, should be able to play. He needed some treatment. He comes out for the pregame skate. So did Mark Fain. So did Griffin Reinhardt. And obviously Eric Greiba, who was already filling in for Sekera. Clefbaum left the more, the pregame skate relatively quickly. So Griffin Reinhardt gets inserted into the lineup. So Cam mentioned Matt Benning's extended minutes. I mean, Matt's been around 15, 16 minutes a game lately. He plays 23-38 tonight. 
He fills in on the power play, does a good job. Griffin Reinhardt has to step in. Not just his first NHL playoff game this season, his first NHL game this season. He'd spent the whole year with the Bakersfield Condors. Now, they didn't play him tons. He plays 13-23, wound up with five hits, and when you're part of a 7-1 win, I, I say, fine, you went out there and did your job. Now, if Clefbaum is available, as expected, then he's going to come in for Reinhardt. Greiba will stay in the lineup, but that's storyline number one. Cam also touched on the, the team's ability to learn on the fly. And we've talked a lot about experience. And, and yes, things that have happened this year to the Oilers are going to help next year, two, three, four years down the road. You hope if they continue to be a playoff team. And I'm very optimistic that they've reached that level. But you can learn and still win. And I thought tonight, especially through the first two periods, the third period was, was maybe a little different. But... The Oilers kept checking. They kept moving their feet. They kept laying the body on the Ducks. And even once they got up one, two, three, they kept going. They never had the mentality, well, we have enough. We have enough. Let's go into a defensive shell for the final, whatever, 35, 30 minutes. They kept going the whole night. And no better evidence of that to me than Anton Slepyshev scoring 45 seconds into the second period to make it 6 nothing. I mean, it was, he already had a lot in the bank by that, but to come out and be able to say to Anaheim, hey, guess what? We're not, we're not opening the door. Even though you got a long way to go, we're not even going to let you think about it tonight. And Slepyshev buried that goal. Dreisaitl added a hat-trick goal. First order to get a hat-trick in a playoff game, by the way, since April 6, 2000, when Bill Guerin had three against the Dallas Stars. So a great night here at Rogers Place. The fans in absolute party mode. They were certainly appreciative of what they were seeing. 7-1, the Oilers win. The series is tied 3-3 Game 7 in Anaheim on Wednesday. Okay, 780-496-0063 will bring Terry onto the show and uh, Kellen, you can make sure we have Drew to come in after we talk to Terry here. But Terry, welcome to the show. What's on your mind tonight? Well, sir, a few things. Uh, this feels like Christmas in May. <laughs> you know, it's uh, uh, quite, quite the turnaround. Uh, I feel like we really got jobbed by the refs in the last few games, um, both ways, both ways, but particularly the Oilers. Um, hats off to Eric Greiba, guy has been around and he's a real good soldier. And Griffin Reinhardt reminds me so much of Chris Phillips in Ottawa. Uh, Going to be a number three, four defenseman in this organization for a, one heck of a long time. And nice to see him get a little bit of playoff action. So, uh, other than that. Uh, I would say something. You guys can't say it, and uh, um, uh, the coaches can't say it, but the um, refereeing uh, is so stacked against small market teams, and that's been going on now since, uh, well, I'm, I'm 69 years old, so it's been going on as long as I've been watching this. And uh, Glenn Saylor once told me that when we win, we have to not only beat the people on the ice, we have to beat the, the linesmen and the referees as well. So uh, that's the way it goes with small market teams. All right. Thanks, Terry. We appreciate it. 780-496-0063-71. The Oilers take down the Anaheim Ducks tonight. Would you believe it? The Japanese Village goal light is on. I mean, it's been on before. It was, it was on earlier in this round. It was on in the first period tonight. We activate that on the Oilers page on 630ched.com whenever they score five or more in a game. 
And then you can go print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village. Three locations in Edmonton, south side, north side, and one downtown here on 104th Street, just a couple of blocks from Rogers Place, where the Oilers uh, snap a little uh, two-game losing streak after dropping games three and four of this series to the Ducks. They come back and win in style tonight. The power play story this evening, uh, I mean, the Oilers got lots of power plays tonight. They go two for seven with the man advantage. For the series, the Oilers' power play is seven for 25. Penalty killing, the Oilers were a perfect three for three. They're now 20 for 22 on the penalty kill in the series. So the special team's advantage uh, has been in the Oilers' way, and, and they now have more power play opportunities than Anaheim has had in this in this series. All right, 780-496-0063. We have Jack on the phone line. Jack, thank you so much for calling. Uh, hey, Reid. Uh, nice to see that win tonight. I'll tell you, it uh, just made my day. Uh, nice to see the Oilers turn that uh, anger and disappointment from the last game. Uh, from what we saw into uh, the positive energy and what they did. I'll tell you, I have uh, no doubt they will uh, keep on going and uh, perhaps uh, go all the way uh, at Game 7. Uh, perhaps we'll see another victory. I hope so anyway. Well, yeah, I, I hope so, Jack. But, I mean, you made a good point about just the way they were able to bounce back, and, and that's been a theme for the team all year. And... You know, as as I've said numerous times, I know I, I know as fans, a lot of you get emotional, and that's the joy of being a fan, right? Is that you can invest a lot of energy in it, and and you go through the ups and downs, and the ups feel really good. But the Oilers have not been riding those waves this season. They've they've been able to stay in pretty calm waters most of the time, and they didn't panic when they lost seven nothing to San Jose. They, I mean, I'm not saying they were happy about it, but they have a very practical approach in my mind where instead of getting emotional about something, they process it, they look at it, they listen to their coaches, they talk to each other, they watch the game film, and then they say, okay, what, what needs to be repaired? You know, what, what needs to get taken care of? You know, I, I, think, it's, I, I think it's that simple. So rather than... Pouting. I mean, look, they, they were angry about the referees after Game 5. They were angry about the, the goalie interference. The, you heard what Todd McClellan said after the game. Certainly you heard about Milan Lucic, what he said after the game. That was the, the money quote. And then they dealt with it, and they, they had a game to play. And they clearly had more energy tonight, and they took the initiative. They checked very well. Uh, they had better goaltending. Uh, I mean, Gibson, granted, those were good looks by the Oilers, but his three goals all kind of leaked under him. You know, you need a save at some point, and they controlled the game 7-1. We'll go back to the phone lines in a second, but right now downstairs for GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices. Before we get to all uh, Leon Dreisaitl questions, can you speak to the fact that uh, you won a game 7-1 and your NHL leading scorer and impossible MVP didn't have a point. What does that say about everybody else on this team? Well, it says we're a team. Uh, there's no other way to put it. We just don't rely on Connor. We rely on the group as a whole. Um, yet Connor, I thought, had a tremendous game. He seemed to be on the end of the, the fourth helper um, in a lot of situations. But uh, you can't do it alone. You can't do it on one man's shoulders. And it was a group effort tonight. Coach, at the hotel yesterday, you 
uh, spoke about your group's bounce back ability as being uh, good but not great. Would you upgrade that today? Uh, today it was, yeah. Um, obviously with the results, I thought we had a good, uh, a good bounce back in game five in their building, but we didn't finish it. That's why it went from great to good. Uh, tonight it was obviously much better, but the big test is coming up. And um, like we do when it's a poorly played game, um, we dwell on it for a little while and then we move on. And we're going to have to park this one quickly and get prepared for uh, a big battle down there. Todd, can you uh, address how Jim managed the defensive core with all the injuries and how that went uh, tonight? Well, he did a, did a tremendous job, and more importantly, the players did an excellent job. Um, we thought this morning that we were going to have to inject two new bodies into the lineup. Um, Gribes has been ready to go, it, chomping at the bit to get in, um, and we knew he would give us a, a good game. Griffin was the wild card. Uh, but he came in and uh, played very admirably and uh, did a good job. Todd, uh, with, with Leon, have you ever had a player in your, any of your lineups has ever had so much personal success against one specific team? I'm sure there's guys that have success against certain teams that, that I've been around. It, you know, off the top of my head, I, I can't remember or recall one, but there are players that... You know, it just works for them some nights against some teams, and, and yet there's other buildings that guys struggle, and I, I can't explain it. I don't know why. Can you just address uh, Letestu's game tonight, but maybe also Milan Lucic, just the energy that he seemed to play with tonight, created a few created a few goals? Yeah, those are our two mature leaders. Those are guys that have played in the playoffs before. They've gone through uh, setbacks um, at this time of the year and, and real good period. Um, opportunities to to succeed and they both elevated their game today uh, big parts uh, to the success tonight and I believe they can be big parts on Wednesday as well Todd have, Todd, have you been been in a series where every game seemed to be different I mean there's they always say it's a one game entity and you go on to the next game but it really is true in this series where there's no real momentum for no momentum in my opinion you reestablish it every night it doesn't carry over from game to game. Each game is its own entity, its own has its own circumstances, takes on its own personality, and we've really seen this in this series. There's been comebacks, there's been ups, downs, uh, momentum swings from period to period, shift to shift. Um, you know what else? What else can you say? It's that's just the way the, the series has been going. Todd, just you're right. Um, even though you, you know you mentioned how the the team shelves previous games and whatnot. This team came out like it was a team scorned, like they had some anger uh, tonight for the start of this game. Well, they weren't very pleased leaving uh, Anaheim blowing a 3 nothing lead. And there were some other circumstances, obviously, that uh, they weren't happy with, but um, th they just pulled together. You could feel the team come together. Um, you know, it was, it was great to get the win because of all the work they put into uh, coming together today in, in a real short time of period. Todd, could you explain the decision to put Leon at center? And was it something that you were trying to avoid for a bit because that line had been so good and splitting those two guys up? And what kind of impact do you think that it's had on this series and the matchup game? Well, again, we're built to play the game however it's played. Peter and his staff's done a good job, and our lines are constructed that we can keep them together and play them apart. And uh, we pick and choose based on the opponent, the situation, 
Um, it's interesting, there'll be a lot of talk about separating those two now, but um, production-wise, Connor and Leon were the, the two best players together, I believe, from the time we put them together to the end of the year. It's hard to argue with that. Everybody knows, everybody knows your team's really young. 12 players, 11 players making their playoff debuts this year. 20 guys weren't even born last time this team was in a Stanley Cup final, or won a Stanley Cup. Do they know what they're accomplishing, do you think? How hard it is? You know what, I, I, I do think they know and they understand what's, what's happening. Um, the, the one good thing about the, uh, the inexperience is they don't understand, some of them don't understand the impact that the media has and the scrutiny they're under and that type of stuff. They just come and play. And, um, uh, you know, there's a little bit of an innocence, if you will, to, to a lot of them. So they show up and, and battle and, um, you know, that, that inexperience is going to get tested on Wednesday. We know they're going to come out much better than they did here. Todd, Matt Benning on your power play for a rookie basically to come in at that time. Talk about his poise on, on the power play specifically, and then uh, do you expect Clefbaum to be available for Game 7? We expect Clef, Clef to be available, and I thought Matt Benning had a, uh, a tremendous night all over the rink, but uh, in particular the power play. He, uh, he got a number of opportunities earlier in the year, and then we settled in on units. Um, he gets a lot of time in practice, so it's not like he's going in uh, blind. But when uh, Sakara and Clefbaum were, up, were both sidelined, we had huge concerns about that quarterback position on the power play, and Russell and, uh, and uh, Benny did a really good job. Thanks. That's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan in the wake of their 7-1 Game 6 victory over the Anaheim Ducks. That forces Game 7 in Anaheim on Wednesday night. We don't have a start time for that. I imagine we won't get one until tomorrow once we see the result of the Pittsburgh-Washington game because there may or may not be, uh, well, there will either there will or won't be a Game 7 in that in that series. Reed Wilkins of Rogers Place, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Drew Amenda is on the line, the analyst for the Oilers broadcast on Sportsnet. Drew, Todd was asked about Leon Dreisaitl going to center, and that's always been there. He That's the flexibility. Maybe it's not going to happen this year. Maybe it's going to happen next year in two years. Well, they needed it to happen in Game 5 of this series, and it's been very successful. He was awesome. It's a statement, wasn't it? A statement by Leon Dreisaitl, a statement by the Edmonton Oilers. Um, just an outstanding, outstanding night. I was just watching uh, Randy Carlyle's post-game presser. <laughs> it's kind of fun to listen to. Um, when you look at what Todd has been able to do before in the past, he's had teams where he used centermen on the wing, and he's been able to move those centermen back. The flexibility is there. I think, Reed, and you know the story, I'm going to go back to earlier in the year when Todd went to Leon. Leon's a, a type of kid, if everybody doesn't know, that um, takes everything to heart. He's really hard on himself, like really hard on himself, and he demands a lot of himself. That's why he is as good as he is at such a young age. But earlier in the year, Todd told him two things. Number one, he said to him, well, yeah, you're playing with Connor, but why can't you be the best player night after night? Why can't you be the guy pushing Connor? Why can't you be 
just as good as he is. And and Leon looked at that, and Todd said, you know, because we believe you, you can be. And he really took off after that. And the other thing he told him later on in the year, when he when he was going through a little bit of a slump, but he, he didn't think he was playing very well, and he truly, truly he wasn't, Todd said, quit watching video. He actually, Leon watches all his shifts. He was watching the shifts. Todd went back to him, t- took the iPad from him, said, quit watching your shifts, get out of your head, and just go play. And Leon, I think... As you saw last game when he was after overtime, when Corey Perry was probably his guy when he slid over and was kind of in no man's land, and Perry slid in behind him and scored the winning goal. He was standing there watching it up in the big screen, and Sportsnet's showing it ad nauseum. But Connor comes by him and says, come on, let's go. And it was just, that was it. That game was over, flushed that out. And I think Leon really wanted to prove something tonight, and he certainly did. Dreisaitl gets five points. We should also touch on the guy who got four points, who, Army knife. who continues to be a bit of a power play specialist, but <laughs> helps in a lot of different ways, too. And uh, what does he know? Is Mark the second leading scorer on the team in the playoffs? I think so. Yes, he is. Mark yeah. Latestu up to 11 points in 12 playoff games. I mean, he just continues to find ways to make himself important and relevant. One, he's a leader. One, he's a two, he's a veteran. Three, he's a guy that everybody looks to in the room. He's got tons of character, and he's a total pro. Um, earlier in the year, there was that debate, right? Remember, you know, why is Mark Letestu on the power play? You, really, is Mark Letestu is that the, that the best looking power play? You throw Mark Letestu out there? Yeah, it is because he's a smart player. Power plays for thinkers. The game as it goes on, going on five and five, and it's going back and forth and all that stuff. That's that's when you stop thinking and you just go play. Power plays for thinkers, and Mark Letestu is a thinker. He reads off other guys well, puts himself in the right position. And when you notice that shots when they come from the flank, if he's if it's coming from the weak side from where he is, he attacks the net. Doesn't stand there and wait for it. He's got terrific timing on the power play, and he's got an excellent shot. And when you look at a guy like Mark Letestu play, and I'll tell you this, probably I'm not telling too many tales out of school, but Todd McClellan once told me um, that if he would have had Mark Letestu as a fourth-line center in San Jose, he would have won the Stanley Cup. Wow. That's how much he thinks of Mark Letestu. Well, you know, I, I've thought a lot of him for a long time because, you know, I've, I've watched yep. him play since he was playing junior as a 16-year-old in St. Paul. A lot of people would laugh at me when I t- would tell that story and say, well, you say good things about him just because you've known him for a long time. Well, I don't think I'm the only one anymore. Uh, Drew, a couple other points I want to hit yep. right on with you before I get back to the calls. Uh, defensively, I, I, I mean, I, I know there was a lot of nerves for Oilers fans yeah. seeing Griba and Reinhardt having to fill in. We expect Clefbaum to be back. But, uh, you know, just your impressions of how... Well, I I think how the defense as a whole handled everything because Benning's minutes went way up, too. And and wasn't Matt Benning great tonight? Yeah. Did he not play just a terrific game tonight? Solid as can be in his own zone. I thought thought when you looked at the way we played, Eric Greibo has been ready to get in the game as soon as he could. And so Eric, especially against the Ducks and Kings and Sharks, he's the type of guy to play because he's a big body. Um, Gogliano found that out when he went in for that forecheck. Um, Eric is simple, and he plays, uh, is, plays a simple game, and he plays a, a game where he pushes the puck forward and plays physically. He knows exactly what he has to do. The, the, the wild card was Griffin Reinhardt. I thought he had a really admirable performance tonight. The big knock on Griffin was in last year, he needed to be more assertive. Jim Johnson worked on him and worked on him and worked on him with it, and you can see 
in today tonight's game, he was more assertive. He was up on the play more. He was physical. He was trying to make sure that he pushed guys to the outside. He had his gap had good gap control. I think that was a, a really strong performance in only his second NHL playoff game. All right, Drew, let's wrap up with this. We'll look a long way into the future. Yeah. <laughs> Game seven, I, I mean, the playoffs are all about count, punch and counterpunch. Right. You know the counterpunch is coming from Anaheim. A lot of game sevens are 2-1 or 3-1 with an empty netter. Uh, you know, and but Anaheim is, is sitting there with that history of losing four straight game sevens at home. I, I mean, I know it's a new year, but how do you handicap what's coming up? It's really hard to, isn't it? I've been involved as an assistant coach with the in the NHL with three game sevens, uh, two and one in those game sevens, and the key was getting off to the start that you need to get off to, and then being able to play and stay with the game plan as long as you can. So the start will be really important. As much as it was last game was important to block to to as Todd McClellan likes to say, block it out and park it. Tonight's just as important to block that out, park it, and get ready for Wednesday. I think the extra day is going to be excellent for the Oilers because it gives Clefbaum a chance to come back, but it also gives these guys a chance to let the excitement just flutter away and then be ready and focused for for Wednesday night. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, you don't know how the game's going to go. You really don't. But when you look at the Oilers. They had to have surprised everybody all year long how resilient they've been when their backs been up against the wall, how strong they've been, how mature they've been. And tonight they must have shocked the NHL world because nobody, Reed, I might say nobody, but not a lot of people were giving them a chance to bounce back after that tough, horrible loss in Game 5 and do something like they did tonight. It, it's got to give you good feelings. Drew, I always love talking to you. Thanks for lending your voice to our uh, our last three games. It's going to be fun on Wednesday, man. We'll talk yep. to you soon. Go get them, man. Talk to you later. That's Drew Amenda checking in. Analyst for the Oilers broadcast on Sportsnet. And the Oilers win tonight 7-1 over the Anaheim Ducks. No clef bomb, no Sekera, but they make it work. Dreisaitl leads the way with five points. The seven goals for Edmonton means a $175 donation courtesy of Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. That goes to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. Booster Juice giving 25 Dollars for every goal the Oilers score throughout the season. Follow the total on the Oilers page on 630ched.com. All right, 7804960063. We have Kent hanging on the line. Kent, good to talk to you. What's on your mind today? I just uh, wanted to say that uh, the Oilers are a first-class organization, and I think it was Kevin McClellan that you had an interview with a couple days ago, and he was commenting just on how classy uh the oilers hockey team uh was from his experience when he came to play with the dynasty team and uh this response this is you know this is a classy response this is a response from a top-notch team from uh top-notch uh talent uh and obviously the best fan base in the league I mean, you look at you look at what happens in uh, in Anaheim, and they were leaving the rink. And I, I think towards the end of the game, it looked like there were more Oilers fans around the Anaheim boards than than there were Ducks fans. And then, you know, I'm sure they're still screaming and cheering <laughs> in Rogers Place now. Uh, just incredible. 
And then you see our secondary players like uh, Anton Slepyshev. Man, I, I mean, he was I know, great. I, yeah, I know Latestu. He had uh, he had four points and and an awesome awesome game. But you know, I could have you could have given the second star to Slepyshev. You know, and if you would have told me that the defense would have only made that one lapse that cost the goal without Clefbaum and uh, without Sekera, I would have thought you were crazy. I mean, I've been watching Graiba make those like terrible mistakes all year, and Graiba did great, and Reinhardt did great, and we gave serious minutes to Benning and serious minutes to Nurse, I guess, and those guys did just excellent. So I was just totally thrilled with that. And uh, just as one other little note, I was at the uh, Ottawa Hockey Analytics Conference yesterday uh, that was put on by Michael Shuckers and Shirley Mills in. There were a lot of uh, a lot of big guys in analytics there. There was Scott Cullen from TSN and Rob Volman, and you know it was a running joke about the Oilers and the refs. Okay, so <laughs> All right. it's not just in our head; it's in everyone's head about how bad that was. And my hats off to Grant Fuhr for his awesome Twitter right uh, response. You know, I had league. Grant on before the game too, Kent. If you missed that, is that on the Oilers page already, Kellen? Of course it is. Kellen has it on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Kent, great phone call. I'm not going to add much to that. Love the energy. A lot of positivity tonight. Why not? The Oilers stay alive. Cruising past Anaheim 7-1. Game 7 is going to be Wednesday. Devin and Colin are the next callers. We do have a couple of open lines at 780-496-0063. You'll hear from Randy Carlisle and uh, Mark Letestu, Leon Dreisaitl, all ahead. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brew House on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Wins the faceoff, wrist shot, button saved me by Talbot, and he's able to pounce on the rebound before Vermette could get a second look. 9.35 to go in the second period. And- Cam Talbot with a solid game. That's his save of the game for Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. He made 34 stops. He was one of three goaltenders in this game. Gibson and Bernier both played for the Ducks. Gibson, three saves on six shots. Bernier, 25 saves on 29 shots. The Oilers ring up the Ducks 7-1 to force Game 7 on Wednesday. I'm Reed Wilkins. It's 8.54. Man, I almost don't know what to do with myself being on the air so early. <laughs> Usually the games are just starting. 780-496-0063. We have uh, Devin on the line. Hey, Devin, good to hear from you. Hey, how's it going? Doing well. So I just want to say, like, congratulations to the Oilers tonight. Their depth was absolutely amazing tonight. Their uh, recuperation from uh, Game 5 was amazing. And I just want to give a shout-out to Cam Talbot. He played absolutely amazing tonight, made a lot of great saves. And just the depth that they showed between from first line to fourth line was absolutely amazing. Like uh, I just can't think enough of how deep they were, and they just took the Anaheim Ducks to the brink, so... Hey, Devin, I want to tell you something. Stay on the line here. I, I didn't mention this yet, and I, I should have mentioned this far sooner in the show. The Oilers won 55% of the faceoffs tonight. Ryan Nugent Hopkins went 12 out of 19 for 63%. How about that? No, that was absolutely amazing. Like, good for him. He, had a, he stepped up really in game six here. I can't say enough from him. It was absolutely amazing, the atmosphere in the rink. 
And, like, it was just, oh, I just can't say enough how good the Oilers played. And Luchek was absolutely amazing. He was banging bodies all night long, and you just can't say enough about the guy. Yeah, everybody was engaged tonight. I mean, Kajula got in a fight. Uh, I thought, actually, Pouliot had a pretty good game. I, I know him, Eberle, and Nugent Hopkins, you know, didn't didn't score, but uh, I thought they checked pretty well. Connor McDavid didn't get a point, by the way, everybody. The Oilers scored seven goals, and McDavid didn't get a point. So talk about the depth coming through this evening. If you're on hold, we are getting to you, but let's go downstairs for Challenge Insurance Group. Challenge creates opportunity. We provide solutions. Here's Ducks head coach Randy Carlisle. Well, I guess, Randy, start with the obvious. Just what, what went wrong in the first period for your group tonight? Everything. Score on the first three, basically three chances to score, and they score on the first three, and we weren't able to recover. And we didn't, as a group, we didn't handle the puck. We didn't do anything what was required in the situation that we were presented with tonight. Since Todd moved Leon Dreisaitl to the middle, he's having more of an impact on the series. Maybe just discuss what you have to do against a guy that plays the game the way he does and how you... But for him, he's got a lot of freedom on the ice right now. We have to take time and space away. As simple as that. And the best way to play against the elite level players is to put time and effort into playing in their zone. And if you notice, they had lots of speed through the neutral ice, and they were in our zone territorially for the first half of the game. You know? Randy, I know you want to flush a game like this, but what do you say to group uh, with a core that has struggled in Game 7s historically on home ice? See, I look at it, it's that, that, that's not the same group, and I wasn't here. So don't, play, don't pin any of the Game 7s on me. <laughs> Simple as that. This is a different group, and we're going to approach, as we do every game, with a game plan. And we're not afraid to go into our building and play a solid hockey game. And that's what's going to be required. Uh, Randy, to a man this morning, uh, you guys were saying that they were ex- expecting, you know, to, to, to see the Oilers best and come out, you know, right from the gate there. In a game like that, when you're expecting that, is that where you need a, a save or two? And it, it, it just didn't come tonight to be able to win. Well, you know, you, you, you can't, let's face the facts, you can't have success, and nobody has success in the playoffs without a complete team effort. And goaltending is a big part of that. And that's a team game. I'm not going to sit here and say that our goaltending was, was where it needed to be, but our, our other side of our game wasn't where it needed to be either. There was lots of uh, of culprits from a standpoint of not management of the puck, not involved emotionally and physically, you know. I know you said it's a different core, but more than a couple guys were talking about some of that history this morning. Part of it has started I, the, the, game the, the, the couple guys you're talking about are who? Cogliano, Perry, Getzlaff. There's been okay, those are three guys. Uh, my question is, they said this morning that they felt like some of their issues in Game 7 started in Game 6s. Do you think any of that history had an impact on today? Not for me. As I said, I wasn't there for their for the the situations that they lived through. And it's my job and it's our job as a coaching staff to prepare this group to play the, the best game of the year come Wednesday night in, in Anaheim. 
Well, there's Randy Carlisle deflecting the Ducks' uh, recent uh, Game 7 failures, and, and why wouldn't he? Uh, I mean, I can't blame him for, for saying that. If he if he starts to make it a storyline and something they're worried about, then then you know that it's in their heads uh, already. So he's taken this, that it's a different version of a Ducks team than the ones that have failed in the past. Though, as, as uh, I think that was Frank Cervelli from TSN asking the question, saying there are guys that have been through it and who suggested the problems in Game 7 started with poor Game 6s. And certainly Anaheim would file this one under a poor Game 6. All right, Colin Rocket, Billy and Matthew are the next callers. You're also going to hear from Dreisaitl, Latestu, and Lucic. Big win for the Oilers. 7-1 sets up Game 7 on Wednesday. It's 9 o'clock. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. Now, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 6 could not work his way around Griffin Reinhardt. And it's shoveled up by Latestu. Cassian's got a breakaway to the net. Rich Hacks going 3-0 Edmonton. Listen to this crowd. Zach Cassian. His third of the playoffs. 8.25 into the game. The runaway was on. 7-1. The Oilers take game six. Dreisaitl, five points. Latestu, four points. We're going to Game 7 Wednesday in Anaheim. Advantage Trailer Rentals scoreboard. The winner of that game will play Nashville in the Western Conference Final. Predators won today 3-1 over the Blues to take that series in six. The Anaheim-Edmonton winner will have home ice advantage in that series. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in. 780-496-0063. We have Colin on the line. Good evening, Colin. Hey, guys. Uh, you know... Just tooling along here in South Dakota, and I'm really enjoying technology these days. <laughs> Just to throw that in there, because uh, I get to listen to the games even though I'm out here. Sorry, did you say South Dakota? Yeah, South Dakota. Oh, cool. Well, thanks. Yeah, so I, I, I use the radio app because XM ditches your feed right away. So I, I get to listen to the show because i got the app on my phone. So anyway, a plug for that. Uh, just wanted to say, like, I expected them to come out strong, but this was like everybody in the dressing room just got together and said, okay, we've tried it every way wrongly, so let's see what happens when we just put the foot down and leave it there. And they did slip up. They, you know, they backed off a, a notch, but I mean, 40 minutes of hard hockey, and, and then they kind of dropped off a little bit, but I mean... The, the final score says it all. They had it wasn't it wasn't a premature letdown. Let's put it that way. But um, I just wanted to throw in a couple of things that maybe uh, the organization has really upped the game of taking care of fans. Like all of the stuff going on in Ford Hall, where we have our basically an, an adult bouncy castle in that uh, in that bridge that goes up and down, and. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe if we go further in, in this, maybe what they need to do is, since it's sold out anyway, set up a couple of places, maybe in one of the parks or Churchill Square, a big screen set up and just a, a bigger party, you know, like uh, something for everybody to enjoy on the cheats. Because that's, you know, 
they've done a good job of that, letting more people in on things, I, I think. I don't know. Right. Well, yeah, thanks, Colin. We appreciate your observations. Uh, I mean, I will say this, and, and as most Edmontonians would know, and I'm sure Colin knows that, even though he's in South Dakota, Ice District is not finished, and there's going to be a big plaza right you know, the, the where the tongue of Fort Hall uh, empties out. That's going to be a big public plaza. So I think there'll be the opportunity for, for viewing parties and, and festivities there, especially when the weather is warmer. Who knows if the Oilers uh, keep going here, maybe there will be stuff uh, in Churchill Square. But, you know, downtown arena, easier for people to congregate. They've, they've found a spot where obviously, I mean, where I'm sitting now, this was a parking lot for as long as I've been coming to and then living in Edmonton. So, yeah, it's pretty nice. 780-496-0063. Oilers win at 7-1. We have Rocket on the phone line this evening. Hey, Rocket. Hey, Ring. How you doing, boss? Doing quite well. Uh, forgive my throat. I've been uh, coaching lacrosse Friday at 8 o'clock and Sunday at 4 o'clock at the same arena at Southside. So uh, we, we missed most of both games, or at least uh, the first period tonight and... Uh, two periods of the first game but a dedicated lacrosse team we had 22 guys i had to sit four guys each game but uh um disappointing after the you know the three nothing lead but i get in my car and i'm driving back from Southside arena and i turn to chad radio and somebody scores and i don't know what the score is yet and Jack Michaels tells me it's six nothing Edmonton. <laughs> he wasn't lying. <laughs> and I was I was just like, What what? Like I just I was just totally dumbfounded. Um but anyways, um when I did get home I really noticed Kessler and why is he acting like such a baby? Like he is the whiniest guy on the ice that I noticed, and I only saw like the last 22 minutes of this hockey game, but from what I saw, he's he's just acting like a complete, uh, you know what? Well, I think the Ducks uh, have some players with that personality. Not that all the Oilers are angels, but Kessler sort of uh, made a name for himself that way. He did get a misconduct late in the third period. Uh, Lucic, Maroon, Holzer, Kessler, and Manson all got misconducts. Uh, he was in the box did- when he was in the box when Drysital got his third goal. And that was the funniest thing I think I've ever seen in my life. Was he in for that one? Yes, he was. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah, he got uh, two minor penalties tonight. Yeah, well, it's too bad. I don't know, I think $100,000 worth of hats that fell on that ice. (laughs) That was was pretty cool. Actually, that goal, that play he was in the penalty box for was for a roughing penalty against McDavid because he took McDavid into the boards. Uh, and kind of was given a face wash after the whistle, which, by the way, was not the most intense thing he's done to McDavid in this series. But in a 6-1 game at the time, the Oilers chose to, or the referees chose to penalize it for sure. Rocket, thanks for calling. I want to pop back downstairs for GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices. Here's the star of the game, Leon Dreisaitl. Can you just, just talk about that first period by your team and maybe you know the, the attitude you guys brought into that period? Yeah, it was huge. Obviously, um, you know that that set the set the tone for um, for the whole night. Um, you know, the, the first period like that, you know, give yourself such a such a big lead and. Um, I thought, uh, you know, all four lines were, were very dangerous tonight. Was it the biggest game in your life? 
I would like to think so, yeah. It's, um, obviously, the, the season was on the line, and um, you know we all had to step it up a notch, and, and I hope the, the whole group did. How disappointing was this group after what happened in Anaheim and Golden? Yeah, it's disappointing for sure. Uh, I said it earlier this morning, but um, you know we've shown it all year. You know we, we bounce back from those from those kind of games, whether we have a bad night or it's not going our way. You know we bounce back. Uh, you know that's something we uh, established uh, as, as a group in here, and um, you know we showed it again tonight. Five points tonight, Leon is. Yeah, I think Wayne Gretzky has got a you know, record of scoring five points every night, but to be in the same kind of uh, you know breath as a player like that. I don't. I really don't want to put myself into that category. No, no, no. Of course, of course. Not. I have no. <laughs> to be able to score five. Really it hasn't happened a lot. Yeah, um, again, uh, I thought our, our whole group was really good. Uh, you know, without those guys, I, I, I probably would have had zero. So um, it's not it's not me, it's, it's the whole group. Getting that first goal and the way you, you guys scored it, um, just did it, did it kind of loosen the, your, your team up a little bit? I know everybody's been nervous coming in here. Yeah, yeah, I think it, it gave us a little, little cushion. I mean, I think, you know, scoring three goals early, you know, that, that helped a lot. But... Um, you know, we knew this time that, you know, they're a team that, that can bounce back and, and they've shown it the other night and, um, you know, we, we were just, we just wanted to make sure that that's not going to happen tonight. When, uh, when Lucic is playing that type of game, when he's banging and crashing the way he was, he made a couple of nice plays early on. I mean, it's kind of why he's here. That's, see the reasons why they won. Yeah, uh, you nailed it. That's, that's the way we get, that's the reason we got him. Uh, you know, he's dominant tonight. Um, you know he's physical. I think that's that's when he's at his best. You know when he's physical. When he when he he plays uh, plays with a little bit of a mean streak, and um, he was very very good today. You guys stepped into this game without two of your, your top four defensemen. Um, I guess what was that like, knowing you were losing such big pieces out of your lineup, and did everybody knuckle down a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Obviously, um, you never want to lose guys, and um, you know it's unfortunate that. Uh, they, they missed the game tonight, but uh, you know we're we're a strong group and, and we believe in here. And no matter who comes in the lineup, you know we we carry those guys. And um, I think everyone uh, throughout the whole lineup uh, played played really good tonight. Yeah, to move back to the middle. It looks to it. I don't know. Energize you or energize the lineup? What is it about that move that has made? <laughs> I don't know. I I've said it so many times. I can't even listen to myself anymore. It's. Um, I, I don't. I like playing wherever, really. Uh, whether I'm used uh, or I'm needed at the uh, at the center ice, or whether I'm uh, I'm needed at, on on the right wing, left wing, wherever it is, really. You know, it doesn't matter. I just try to be the best player I can possibly be, and um, you know, just just trying to play my game. But the idea was, can you run down that first goal? It might have been a penalty shot, but did you even think it went in? Kind of right away? No, I actually I didn't see it go in at all. I I just saw the. Turned to the right, and I saw the ref uh, raising his hand, his arm. So I, I thought maybe a penalty or something. But um, you know, obviously a, a little balance there. And what was your reaction? Great, that's uh, Leon Dreisaitl. Brendan Ulrich, work of the Oilers' room. Leon Dreisaitl, obviously uh, shrugging off the comparisons to Wayne Gretzky or anybody from that era on the Oilers, and. Uh, Mentioning once again, he doesn't care where he'll play. He'll play center, wing. They almost needed him on defense tonight. No Clefbaum, no Zekera. Greiba and Reinhardt filled in admirably, and the Oilers roll five goals in the first period. Just one off a franchise 
record. They scored six goals in a period twice in the 1980s. 5-0 after one, 7-1 after two, no scoring in the third. The series is tied 3-3. All right, Billy, Matthew, Mike, next up in the batting order. we got a full board of calls. We'll get into everybody. You're also going to hear from Mark Letestu and Milan Lucic. It's Canadian Brew House. This overtime is Overtime, overtime Oilers Line. Radio, 630 Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's a route at Rogers, Oilers 7 Ducks won to prolong the series. It'll end Wednesday night with Game 7 in Anaheim. Going to be exciting. Thanks for tuning in. Reed Wilkins at Rogers Place. Rob Brown should be healed up for Game 7 on Wednesday, so he'll be back on the broadcast then. Because of uh, prior commitments, he had to miss Games 4 and 5, and then he was sick tonight, but he'll be back on Wednesday night. 780-496-0063 is the phone number. We have Billy on the phone line. Billy, thanks a lot for calling. Hey, Reed, thanks for having me. And you know what, man? Perfect intro. I just have a couple of comments and a quick question uh, for you, really a yes or no question. Okay. I uh, just want to say that uh, Cam Talbot, huge bounce back. Uh, nobody's really mentioned him tonight, but that was huge. Could have rattled him big time, that loss. Uh, I also think that Drake Kajula has effectively taken Jordan Eberle's job on this team. And I want to ask you to call Game 7. We have a tiebreaker in the basement, and I need you to call it. Who's going to take it home? Well, obviously, I'm picking the Oilers. All right, that's perfect. Okay, why, Reed, thanks for why, having me, man. Why wouldn't wicked, I? Wicked. All right. Uh, I, I, I don't know if Drake Kajula has taken Jordan Eberle's spot on the team, but I, I think Drake Kajula has played very well. And he got into a fight tonight. Not, that's, not that that's how I judge if a guy plays well or not, but he ain't the biggest guy in the world. And he, uh, he took on another guy who's not a heavyweight, but Andrew Cogliano is a pretty experienced player. And like we have uh, often said, if you're going to play for Todd McClellan, you better check. Uh, I mean, he obviously still wants the scorers to score and the shot blockers to, shot blo- to, to block shots and the hitters to hit and all that stuff. But everybody has to check. And that doesn't mean big body check. Sometimes it might be, but it means you got to get in the way. you got to get your shoulders and hips into the guy. you got to get over top of the puck. you got to be in the right spot. And Drake Kajula does all those things. So he's been uh, a positive this season overall for the Oilers. And I do think it helped. I know a lot of people were saying before the game, I was looking on Twitter, well, I wish we had Davidson and not DeHarnay. You know, fair enough, but we didn't know that Grime and Reinhardt were going to be as, as steady as they were tonight. Plus, I do think DeHarnay's presence has allowed Kajula to play on the wing, and, and he, he'll probably be a center again someday, but he's been quite comfortable there, and I, I think he's better in that role. Let's go down to the Ducks dressing room once again. Andrew Cogliano had that fight. He took an elbow from Eric Grime, by the way, that didn't get called. He finished minus one for Challenge Insurance Group. Challenge creates opportunity. We provide solutions. Here's the former Oiler. Yeah, you want to flush it, but you got to look at what's wrong, too. And there's a lot of mistakes that we made tonight, um, uncharacteristic mistakes, and, and we deserve to, to lose that way. Uh, you know, you don't see other teams giving up breakaways in, in the first 10 minutes of, of a hockey game to, to move on to the conference finals, and and I think that was the difference tonight. We They wanted it, and they all played us, they all classed us, and uh, uh, they all battled us, really. So, you know, until we, we want to... Um, prove to ourselves that we, you know, we want to take that next step. We're going to have to do that in the next game, and we're going to have to bring our, our best game. And I think it's going to come down to other guys in our lineup, including myself. You know, I think we're going to have to have other guys step up and, and follow the guys that have kind of played really well over this. 
Well, I think that's a pretty good summary from Andrew Cogliano. And look, I, I, I will say this. I, I believe this when it comes to pro sports, when you're at the highest levels. When you have a blowout, you have one team clicking and you have the other team having an off night. I think we all know the Anaheim Ducks, that wasn't their best game. But if you're the Oilers, you got to jump on it. And Cogliano said it. The Oilers initiated and they played with more energy. Tonight, Todd McClellan often talks about playing on your toes, especially through the first 40 minutes. The Oilers were on their toes. They were making checks. They were breaking up plays. They were forechecking. They weren't giving up on pucks. And I think they decided, you know, we played 56 really good minutes in, uh, or at least gutsy minutes in Anaheim two days ago and then got a little too tentative in the final four minutes. And they were determined that that wasn't going to happen tonight. And it adds up to a 7-1 win for the Edmonton Oilers. We'll see what Matthew thinks on the phone lines. Matthew, good to hear from you. Hello. Hey, go ahead. Hey, how you doing tonight? Doing quite well. Good. I don't have much. Um, you know, I just really enjoyed the game tonight. Um, I thought after after that devastating loss, and I thought that uh, every Oilers fan was going to drop the Oilers, um, they bounced back extremely well tonight. Basically, you wouldn't even have ever expected that game six, uh, game five happened. Well, you're right. They they put it behind them pretty quick. And Matthew, you've probably heard the Oilers say this a lot. They say they got to park it, right? And now they got to park this one. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, no, I think they've been doing really well. I'm very, very proud to see uh, see this team where they are right now. Um, even seeing all these unfamiliar faces, you know, the guys like Reinhardt that haven't been up much. You know, they played a big role tonight, and uh, it showed. Right on. Thanks a lot for calling, Matthew. We appreciate it. Dry sidle four po- or five points and four points for this guy. Here's Mark Letestu. You said you're not playing with house money, but this team arrived before you thought it would arrive. Do you feel kind of that way, like there was nothing to lose tonight? No, I mean, our season was on the line, and I, I thought we we played like it. It looked, you know, if you ask me, that, that was a desperate group. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, Leon led the charge. His first couple shifts, uh, he picked up the puck at the top of the circle, and you knew he was just determined to, to do something. And I think getting those first two goals, uh, he set the tone for the whole game. I guess I meant by that, I'm sorry, that was a stupid question, but I guess I meant by that, after what happened in Anaheim, people just said, oh, you know, that's, how can you come back from something like that? Yeah, we're, we're better than people get us credit for. Uh, you know, we, we had a tough tough game against San Jose, 7 nothing. came back and won two games to win a series. Uh, you know, I don't think there's anything that we're going to come across that we can't bounce back from. And I think we, we proved that to each other tonight. What about down to a defenseman? I guess we're deep. You know, those guys, they've been working hard You know, after practice with the black ace skates. Uh, and Griff and Gribe came in. They, they played well. Played really good. Our, our team didn't look like we had to play extra defensive when they were out there or anything like that. They they filled in nicely, uh, played a nice game for us. So that is the most points you've ever had in a playoff game? Is the thing yeah, I think that's the most points I've had in a game, period. So it's a okay. good time for it. <laughs> <laughs> Just in terms of a... Are you guys aware of Anaheim's history in Game 7s? Uh, you know, we've read it. It's tough not to read. Uh, you know their history, but to me, they, they play different teams. Uh, that's a different team over there. Uh, we're, we're, we're worried about us. But do you feel the pressure is on them to reverse that trend? Maybe they feel it. I can't speak for them. You know, we, we don't. We certainly don't think that they're going to be like that. They're a mature group. They're going to come back from this just like we bounce back. So did this game have the same feeling only from the other side as the San Jose one, where every time they shot went in, and all of a sudden you're looking at five nothing. Like, oh man. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know how it. I mean, uh, you know, because you scored four the first eight and they drove the goalie out of the game. Yeah, we, we certainly didn't play real good to get that seven nothing game against San Jose. I can't speak again for them. Uh, I thought we we put the pressure on. We didn't let up, and I thought. Uh, even for us to come out in the second period and get that, that sixth goal, that was big. It was big to show that we weren't going to go on our heels and possibly let them get back into hockey. What about Reed? That's Mark Letestu. All right. Thanks, Brendan Ulrich, work in the dressing room. Yeah, that, that's the Mark Letestu's first four-point game in the NHL, so it comes at the right time. Mike texting 636-30. If Clefbaum is back and you have to start Greiba or Reinhardt, who would you put in the lineup? Reinhardt was efficient tonight. I would lean towards him. Your thoughts? That is for Mike. Uh, I, I think they will have Griba in there because he's been up here all year. He's played in two playoff games. Reinhardt has been in the minors most of the year, and nothing against the way he played. I think that they'll stick with Griba, though. 780-496-0063. We have Mike on the line. Mike, thanks a lot for calling. How's it going, guys? Doing well. Go ahead. Uh, first of all, I want to say um, shout-out to Rob. Uh, I know he couldn't be on the show, but uh, just rest the voice and a little bit of uh, extra honey in the tea, and it'll be good to go. <laughs> right on. And you live in the Eastern time zone. Uh, I have to admit that you guys are probably just like 9.30. For me, it's 11.30, so I've had one or two extra beers. So, you know, I've really enjoyed the win and having a good time. <laughs> good. I'd have to say um, I'm really impressed with Talbot's play tonight. Um, you know, he, he was composed and calm. And if you think about the last game and how it ended and all the pressure, and imagine letting three goals in the last three minutes, and then in overtime what happened. I mean, for him to come back so calm, shout out to him. And at the start of the game, when I heard that Clefbaum wasn't in, I already knew Sakura wasn't in. I was a little bit nervous, have to admit. But the way that the defense played, just in general, I want to give a big shout out to the overall defense. And I'm going to say, let's go, Oilers. That's awesome, Mike. Great call. Thanks for the musical accompaniment with that one. Oilers win 7-1 over the Anaheim Ducks. Pavel, Dave, and Brian, you're up next on the phones. You'll hear from Milan Lucic as well. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio 630 Jet. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. Now, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Jet. 7-1, the final damage at Rogers Place. Oscar Clefbaum is expected to be available for Game 7 on Wednesday, so that's good news. Dreisaitl leads the attack. Three goals and two assists. Letestu had four points. The Ducks going to Game 7 at home. Last year, eliminated in Game 7 at home to Chicago. Two years ago, or pardon me, last year was Nashville. Two years ago was Chicago. Three years ago, losing Game 7 at home to the Kings. Four years ago, losing Game 7 at home to Detroit. And in all those series, they also lost Game 6 on the road. So, Oilers fans, you're hoping history repeats itself. This texture says, I have a comment. I find it funny that a guy like Kessler gets all kind of praise from the league and is considered one of the best defensive forwards when for all intents and purposes... He breaks the rules to be effective. If they actually called penalties on that guy for the stuff he does, he would spend half his night in the penalty box, yet he's celebrated as an amazing defensive player. Gives kids the wrong impression, if you ask me. Well, I think we call, all, all can agree Ryan Kessler is a bad role model for children. 780-496-0063. We have Pavel on the line. Pavel, thanks a lot for calling. Hi there. How you doing, Reed? Doing well. 
Thank you. Uh, first-time caller, long-time listener, big fan of the show. Um, fantastic game tonight. Got to see it from the Ford Hall, got to win some tickets, so that was exciting. And my place is right outside, so I'm enjoying the beautiful view of Rogers Place. Um, wanted to know your thoughts on, uh, in terms of the high-scoring games happening this series, does Anaheim start with Jonathan Bernier in that, or do they go back to Gibson? Do you think there's a shot in his confidence for Gibson, as well as your thoughts on uh, Eberle's play? Uh, tonight. Okay. Uh, I think they will go back to Gibson. I, I don't think it's going to be a shot at his confidence, at least not a major one, because I think especially for goaltenders, they have to be able to hit that forget it button after each game. And the, the best guys in the NHL, if they didn't have that button, they, they wouldn't make, make it to the NHL. So I know goaltenders go through ebbs and flows. If Gibson plays poorly in Game 7, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that's because his confidence is rattled. I would think just because it's it, it's sometimes part of the ebb and flow and, and he might be, uh, I mean, maybe he's having a, a bit of a couple down games at the wrong time of the season but I don't know if that would be confidence related. Uh, I thought I, I thought Everly played fine tonight. I mean I know that line didn't get on the score sheet again well I guess now they have Pouliot instead of Lucic I, I have trouble picking any Oiler out tonight and saying that he, he didn't have a good game because I thought they came out energized. I, I thought they checked. I thought they were very committed you know I thought they were tough in the scoring area in both, area, both ends of the ice uh, mm-hmm. I, I thought Everly struggled at times earlier in the series. He hasn't been as physically engaged as he was against San Jose, and he still hasn't scored. I think in some ways it's been a disappointing playoff for him as an individual. But, uh, again, I, I wouldn't pick on any Oiler for the way it went tonight. They won 7-1, so a very positive result. 780-496-0063 will bring Dave onto the show. Dave, thanks for giving us a ring. Hi, Reid. How are you doing? Doing well. I want to talk about the uh, coach's challenge, and it's not so much the interpretation from uh, the war room and whether or not we got jogged, we did, but uh, the dynamics of the the coach's challenge in game four. So Todd McClellan uh, makes a challenge on Perry going through the crease, and he loses, and we lose the timeout, and we lose the, the ability to have future challenges. So, you know, later on in the game, there's an offside. We're helpless. There used to be a situation in hockey, in, in the NHL, and, and general hockey, where the coach could make a challenge. Do you remember what that uh, that dynamic was? What a, sorry, what a coach could challenge more than once in a game? No, no, the coach would make a challenge. It was on the stick. The oh, the stick the measurement. Stick. Yeah, they can still right. they can still do that. They still have well, the stick I measurement. I don't think they do because it's not an issue anymore. I thought that the stick, the curve of the stick, wasn't an did issue. Did they take that out? Well, maybe they did. I haven't seen yeah. it in a while. But but when the coach made the challenge, he he could challenge the, the the other team, and if he was wrong, what happened? Delay a game penalty. Delay a game, two minutes, and he could do that all night long. He could challenge and challenge and challenge. That's right. We're. It's a stupid rule to be blocked out and early, especially early in the game. You're, you're, you can't challenge the infractions later on. Why don't they just give us a two-minute delay game if, if, if you're wrong and if you're right, you get the call. Yeah, I guess sense. I guess they could do that. And then you could challenge. And you're right; they got rid of the stick measurement. I'd totally forgotten about that. It shows you how much I cared about that rule. But. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean that's what that's another thing they could do. Now, would coaches w- would that reduce the number of challenges? I don't know. Or, or here's the thing: Todd's going to challenge something where he's convinced that he's right, 
and then the challenge doesn't go his way, and then he takes a penalty. You know, so you, you make a good point. I, I don't like the coaches' challenges on the offside at all. I think they should get rid of it. Um, I liked the goalie, the challenge on goalie interference when they brought it in. I liked it in theory. I thought it was a, a good idea. I, I think it has been executed about as poorly as anything in the history of civilization has ever been executed. Okay, maybe that's a bit of an overstatement, but you know what I'm getting at. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Brian on the line. Hello, Brian. Go ahead. Hello there. Go ahead. Hello. Yeah, go ahead. Hey, Reed. How are you? Good. Uh, just wanted to make a comment. Uh, these guys are learning so quickly, and I love the adversity they're going through and how they're learning from it. How how quick they're learning from it. Um, just wanted to make a, a comment, and then I wanted to ask you a question about the uh, the bounce back in this game. And after they scored the third goal tonight, it just popped in my head that these guys must have been feeling pretty embarrassed to the fans of Edmonton, to their own to their own team. Um, and, you know, hence the the energy and the, the way they came out and just took over the game right off the bat. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I don't know if they felt embarrassed. I, I think they felt they weren't happy. I don't know if embarrassment would be the exact word, but I, I they knew they let a game slip away. Um, I, I think they they knew that they they didn't stick to the commitment to checking that they needed to to finish out game four. I, I mean, even the, the the bad call aside at the end of the game, they didn't check well enough in that game. So I, I, I think maybe they were just a little angry and they just said to themselves, we're going to decide this game. Let's not leave it up to how Anaheim plays. Let's not leave it up to a call at the end of the game. Let's right. put this one away. Let's grab it and choke it out. Because there, you're right. There was no let-up when it was 3 nothing. There was no yeah. let-up when it was 5 nothing. I mean, they yeah. came out and scored first. The third period was like, okay, it was a little more ragtag, and, you know, there wasn't as much going on. But, but the way they played through the 40 minutes, and I know I'm looking at Twitter all the time, and a lot of people are saying this is the best they've seen the Oilers play since Game 6 of the 06 final when they shut yeah. down Carolina 4 nothing. I mean, they, they took control of this game. They knew the stakes. And, you're, and a few people have brought this up, Brian, and you touched on it as well. This team learns quickly. They don't sit around and mope. They yeah. process what happened, and they figure out what needs to happen, and then they try to execute that to the best of their ability. It doesn't well, always work, but, but you can see it in their yeah. makeup, though. The, the, well, you know, the last two games, we had a 2 nothing lead after, was it the second period or the first period? And then, uh, and then you know, a 3 nothing lead the last game. And both times we blew leads. And it's like, you know, we, instead of moping or, or hanging their heads, they came back like this. And, you know, let's just hope that they, that, that you know, that in this phase of whatever it is that, you know, causes them to sit back or whatever, that they've learned it. Yeah, for sure. Brian, we're going to finish the play with you tonight. You've already won an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set We Park. Park cheap and easy. Visit jetsetparking.com. You can also be entered into the grand prize draw for $1,000 to Integra Tire Auto Center. Visit Integra Tire to experience service you can trust. Integra Tire, experience integrity. Let's see what Kellen has cooked up. Soft win by Drysaddle. Now he's down in the middle of the ice. Reshot! Okay. Oh, that's a good one. Okay, that's a dry sidle goal. Is that his first goal, second goal, or third goal? <laughs> uh, 
I think every time he had a breakaway, he scored. So, or I, I think he only had one or two. But anyway, yeah, he scored. I think yeah, he scored. Was it his first goal or his second oh, goal? That breakaway was the first. Let's find out. Face off win by Drysaddle. Now he's down in the middle of the ice. Wrist shot score. One nothing Edmonton. Drysaddle had already drawn a penalty. It might have been a penalty shot. Good stuff, Brian. That was the opening goal of the game. One of three for Dreisaitl. The Oilers go on to pound the Anaheim Ducks 7-1. Milan Lucic had a strong physical game for the Oilers. Wound up with a couple of points. He didn't finish the game. He got a misconduct near the end. But that's okay, though. Downstairs, here's Milan Lucic. Just maybe the attitude you guys brought into it. Yeah, it was... Uh... Uh, the start that we wanted, uh, obviously getting that first goal was huge and, uh, you know, being able to to keep it going after uh, the first one. So, uh, you know, what we experienced the game four and five uh, with, with two comebacks by them, uh, we knew that we had to keep our foot on the gas pedal and uh, the hockey gods uh, gave us a chance at game seven. What do you say about Leon's Stepped up, stepped up big. Uh, we needed someone to step up, uh, and he stepped up like he has all season long and uh, came up huge for us when, when we needed it the most. There's been a lot, a lot of physicality in the series, but it got pretty nasty at the end there. Uh, just the temperature going up overall? Yeah, just, just the temperature. Uh, you know, uh, it's been a pretty uh, emotional s- series. Uh, 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 throughout six games and uh, eventually the tempers are going to flare so uh, like I said uh, I think both teams are looking forward to, to Wednesday night and we're just thankful for the opportunity uh, that, that presents itself. As far as team responses go, where does that one rank in your career? Uh, it's big it's, it's definitely up there so uh, you know especially uh, coming back to, to our building where we haven't won a game so far in, in this series so to be able to respond like that over something that could have been really deflating was was uh, was a good job by our group. Were you guys playing with anger? Was there a lot of anger to start this game off? Uh, Read that's Milan Lucic. Thanks, Brendan. Brendan Ulrich in the Oilers dressing room. Milan Lucic and the Oilers hammering the Ducks tonight. 7-1. First period, Dreisaitl, Dreisaitl, Cassian, Letestu, Letestu. Second period, Slepeshev, Raquel got one in there. Then Dreisaitl again. Leon Dreisaitl, by the way, now up to 16 points in 12 playoff games. The second leading playoff scorer on the Oilers is Mark Letestu with 11 points in 12. How about this? The Oilers get seven goals. Connor McDavid does not get a point. He has nine points in 12 playoff games. Maybe he'll get a couple in game seven. Wouldn't that be nice? Curtis is up next on the phone line, 780-496-0063. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 Jet. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Rebound, Drysaddle, trades the puck with McDavid, Lucic the net front presence, Drysaddle dishes, bending, one-timer score! Mark Latestu makes it 5 nothing, and Edmonton's running Anaheim right out of Rogers' place in game 6. 
five goals in the first period, 7-1 overall. Don't forget to go to the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Check out that Japanese Village goal light so you can get a free appetizer coupon to Japanese Village. I don't think we've turned that on in the first period, at least uh, not not in my tenure hosting overtime open line, that's for sure. My name is Reed Wilkins. Rob Brown usually joins me. He'll be back for Game 7 on Wednesday. We will have it live for you here on 630Ched. Got a text to 630-630. This person says, Day Harnay staring down Nick Ritchie after that one scrum. Top the game for me. 5-6, staring down 6'3". Love that heart. Brings a group together. He was a great acquisition. That's a text to 630-630. All right, 780-496-0063. We have Curtis on the line. Good evening, Curtis. Hey, how are you? Doing well. Good. No, I, I, I want to agree with that one texture you read a, a while back. I can't believe that the league celebrates a guy like Kessler. He's a he's a bum, if you ask me. But um, whatever. The the main thing I kind of wanted to, to poke at was, you know, that we talk a little bit about face-offs and, and how, you know, the Penguins are 29th and we were 30th right. and how face-offs don't matter completely. It'd be interesting to see when we do have a good game in the face-off dot, how many of those games do we lose? Like, it's... You know, if, if this team can get to a point where they actually have the kind of possession that, that the Ducks have by winning all those face-offs, I, I think they're going to be a lot more of a force like we see tonight because they'll have the puck, you know, instead of having to try and get the puck back. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, I mean, I didn't give all the stats. Dreisaitl, 8 for 13. DeHarnay, 4 out of 6. Letestu was below 50%, but he took 23 face-offs. He was 10 out of 23. Uh, Puglia took one. He was 1-0. I mentioned Nuge won 12 out of 19, and McDavid won four out of nine. So the Oilers were uh, 39 and 32 overall in the dot. I, I think, Curtis, that'll probably be a priority for Shirelli in the offseason is to, is to find a better face-off guy. And I still think Dreisaitl has the potential to be a real force in the face-off circle. Um, he was so over. Where does, he was over fifty percent most of the regular season, but then he dropped off at the end. What, what's interesting is where does that leave? Like, if, if we're looking at Nuge as a center, like where does that leave him? He can't. He can't seem to win faceoffs, and I don't know why they've never tried him up with McDavid kind of on the wing sort of thing. But I agree with you. He's got to find somebody that can consistently win a faceoff and, and not be that person. A third line, I, like as much as I love Nuge, you know. That, it's not getting any better. It, it, you know, he struggles with it, and we need a we need a third line setter if, if Leon's going to be the second line that, that just dominates in the in the circle. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's going to be a priority in the off season, I think. Appreciate it, Curtis. Sorry, I want to get a couple more guys in here. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Brad is on the line as the Oilers win seven one. Good evening, Brad. Hey, how are you doing tonight? Doing quite well. Hey, uh, I just. I love the game tonight. Awesome game by the boys. Uh, great comeback from the, the last game. Disappointment. My uh, point is, is uh, I think this coach's review thing has got to be turfed entirely. Um, if we want to play bubble hockey, then let's play bubble hockey. Let's get rid of all four refs and just play with video replay. What do you think about that? <laughs> Well, we like have robot referees that can see 360 degrees or something like that, so you don't miss anything. I, I don't know. I, I like I said earlier, I don't like the video review on the offside. I would have got rid of that challenge after last year's playoffs, 
because it was it negated too many goals on extremely close calls in the playoffs. They've ruined the, what's happening with goaltender interference. I, nobody yeah. knows what it is anymore. I mean, I had Grant Fewer on the pregame show. He was like, what, what are they doing? Why don't they have a former goalie in the room so he knows what to watch for? I, it, it just, in theory, the goalie interference challenge, it was a good idea. It has not been well executed. Well, when it goes to video replay, I think the referees on the ice, they should be left out of it. Yes, their main focus is to make sure that the puck crosses the goal line and that's it. And if, uh, you know, if the video replay wasn't there, then their focus is both the goal and the player in the crease and the interference going on. And I think their concentration would be better served if they got rid of it totally. Appreciate those thoughts, Brad. All right, and final call of the night's going to go to Cody. Cody, thanks for chiming in. Go ahead. Hey, how's it going, man? Doing well. That's good. Hey, one thing I want to touch on was uh, something that's been, I guess, talked about a lot this playoffs was Oilers finding that fine line of where to take penalties and where to be disciplined enough and but still play physical, and I thought they did that really, really well tonight. Well, you know, they had the guys trying to really egg them on with, Perry and all the big boys and, you know, Kessler being in everyone's grill. And the biggest one that points out to me is, uh, you know, Perry and Nurse, with Nurse getting a helmet in the chin, and he's just standing there taking it. And it was really nice to see them hold back and actually play disciplined game today. Well, and that was, uh, you know, Cody, that was a problem earlier in the play. I mean, Patrick Maroon, I, I hate to single out one guy because there were other instances, but Patrick Maroon took three bad penalties in six games against San Jose, right? Yep. I mean, you, you need him on the ice. And, and Anaheim's a tough team to skate away from because they annoy me, and I'm eight stories away from the, the ice surface. So it's, yeah, it's, well, they, they are, and it was, nice, it was nice to see that today. They, they still played physical. They stood up for themselves, but they also didn't get thrown in the box for Like, Maroon got thrown in the box for that one when he was hauled down, which, like, I guess the refs don't, aren't on our side this at all. But it was just nice to see them actually – play that disciplined game like they should have because they could have taken a lot more hacking, chopping penalties in front of the net and, yeah. you know, scrums and stuff. And instead of it going just one Anaheim guy to the box, it could have been both of them. And Griba probably got away with an elbow, though I don't think it was intentional. A little bit. A little bit. But, you know. we got to get one, you know one our, our way once in a while, too. And you know what? I, I hate, you know, people, I don't care people saying, you know, Homer. Lindholm should have got five for that cross check on Latestu. He was directly behind him followed him into the boards and saw nothing but numbers and drilled them. Am I crazy there? Is Cody gone? Well, anyway, maybe maybe you're all thinking I'm crazy. That's all right. It was crazy in Rogers' place tonight. The Oilers win 7-1 in game six. Dreisaitl with five points. Our next broadcast will be Wednesday night, game seven from Anaheim. We do not have a start time, but keep it tuned to 6.30 Chen. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 8. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. Troy Bowler, our engineer here at Rogers Place. We're going to Game 7. Going to be fun. Thanks for listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.